All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So there's a condition there. Now, uh, before we're done here tonight, you're going to see that this is not an isolated scripture, nor is it a scripture that is simply just regulate, regulated, regulated, felt like saying regulated, regulated to the New Testament. But it spans both Testaments and is incredibly Important. I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about biblical separation. Biblical separation. Put your Bibles down, and we are going to pray one more time that God would talk to us in a special way. Would you pray with us? Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your people. Touch those that could not be here tonight, like my wife that is sick. And God, but we pray tonight those that are in attendance here tonight can get an understanding, a biblical understanding in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Shake somebody's hand. Make sure you're married to them. You say, this pastor's really stuck on that. Oh, yeah. In Jesus' name. No, my wife finally got bitten by the bug. And it's not a shopping bug. She got bit by that a long time ago. This is a different bug. She got bit by the flu bug. And um, I love my wife dearly. She's as close as my next breath. She comes from, she's not here tonight, so I can get away with some of this. And if she finds out about it, I will find out who told her. And you will be flagellated with a noodle. But um, my wife comes from, they're tough people. You know, and if you're not just in bed almost moaning and groaning, ready, it's almost code blue. It's like, come on, get up. There's a lot to do. Uh, and I really do appreciate the fact that she's so tough, um, it's, just, it's just good. But she really is sick. And if you get, if you get this, somebody said it's a 24-hour flu. Uh, in my case, it was 36 hours and 22 minutes. And a bag of potato chips. So if you'd say a prayer for her, God bless you. I want to talk about separation here tonight. Um, you know, Pentecostal people, um, we can become so mm, familiar with some things, and that's not any detriment to us. It's just, it's just the way it is that people say, oh, yeah, 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 I know what that means, I know what that means. But there is a huge connection 
to the importance of separation that every single person needs to comprehend, embrace, fully understand, and make it, make it one of the dots that you're connected to. And you're connected to that dot. Separation is the oldest, it is the oldest doctrine in the Bible. Um, there might be some people that say, okay, well, I'm just waiting to hear what you got to say, and I, I understand that. But it spans far and wide, all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see separation. Separation of God's people under the one true living God is one of the most enduring commands. Everybody look at your neighbor and say command. Not a suggestion, not a maybe, not a, a might, not a if I get around to it or if I feel like it. It is a command from God's word. It's not only a command, it is a requirement throughout the history of God's people, as we shall see here in a few moments. Biblical separation affects every area of life, both inwardly and outwardly. Simply put, separation is a lifestyle. Separation is a lifestyle. And it's definitely the lifestyle that is upheld uh, in cornerstone. Biblical separation is expressed at four very definable and notable times. Number one, separation in creation. Just even a casual reading of Genesis chapter number one, God is separating the heaven from the earth. And then he is separating the firmament and the waters. And he's separating the, excuse me, separating light from dark. Then he's separating the firmament from the waters beneath. It is just separation, 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 separation. And then in Genesis chapter number 12, it is a separation of God's Old Testament people starting with an incredible man by the name of Abram. Number three is the separation of the New Testament church that is beginning in the book of Acts. Number four is the separation in eternity fully described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15 at the white throne judgment. And don't wait until the book of Revelation to get separated. You need to have some things settled way before that. Now, these are four absolute definable, for lack of a better term, time. You could put a time on them, a time stamp on them. There are other separations, but these are the most notable and enduring separations in the Word of God. Separation was required for the specific purposes. Listen to me carefully. Separation was required for the specific purposes of identity 
and distinction. Um, isn't it interesting, just as a side note, that everything is taking place in our culture today is trying to undo everything that God established in the book of Genesis. Everything that God established in the book of Genesis, even in the very earliest chapters, is under attack, redefinition. Um, I was looking at a little deal, and I don't, listen, um, some of you that just surf uh, YouTube, there's a lot of junk on there. I'm not getting very many amens right now, but I'm telling you, you need the Holy Ghost to get on YouTube. I'm still not getting very many amens right now, and that's because some of you are guilty. But it's a dangerous thing to just let your mind wander. a deal on there where they are changing language. God is the originator of language. And language is the most defining element of a culture. You cannot have culture without language. And yet, I'm still trying to figure out what woke means. Somebody needs to wake me up so I can find out what woke means. I don't know what woke means. But some of these people that have a hold of the steering wheel of culture are trying to redefine just an individual, identifying an individual. You can't say, you can't say he or she. It's they. Well, everybody knows that that's a violation of English because they is, is describing more than one. It's, it's, it's talking about it's a plural. It's not a singular identification. It's plural. And so they're, they're rewriting everything. They're trying to rewrite history. They're trying to rewrite language. They're trying to rewrite gender. I rebuke the spirit that's at work in this world by the authority of the name of Jesus. Everybody clap your hands and give God the praise. I feel a righteous indignation on me. You're not going to change the Bible. You're not going to change the name of Jesus. You're not going to change the word of God. You're not going to change the power of the blood. You're not going to change salvation. Though this entire world change, you're sitting in a place that is based on the ancient of days. Let's clap our hands under the Lord and give him great praise. This thing is from eternity past. It's not up for debate. The only people that want to debate are people that are ignorant. Because there are some things that are forever settled. And everybody said, amen. Separation was required for the purposes of identity and distinction. It is impossible to have spiritual identity without separation. And God refused it. God refused. Like there, there might be some people saying here saying, oh, you know, I feel God and I know God. And let me, let me tell you, there's, 
the worst thing you can do is be one of these kind of individuals that's paddling your own canoe, a do-it-yourselfer, because you are going to wake up on Judgment Day and see that how far off you got on off just one degree in space would put you in a completely another solar system. One degree off of doctrine, and you could either be in false doctrine or incomplete doctrine. This identity and distinction, listen to me carefully, this identity and distinction of God's separated people provided the idolatrous pagan lost world with a visual and behavioral witness. And so separation is not about what you and I think. It has a supernatural, eternal purpose in the earth of why God is requiring separation. It's not about you and I. It's a bigger picture that includes you and I. Meaning that God loves the whole world, but you and I are fortunate enough to be in the church so that if we will cooperate with God, we will manifest to the lost, dying world that there is a God through the blessing. Come on, if you're sitting here tonight, you're blessed. You're not an ICU. You're not in divorce court. You're not needing a blood transfusion. Come on, somebody. Let's give God the glory. Somebody said, well, pastor, I ain't got nothing. That's impossible. You got a lot more than you think you got. And the reason why I know that is because one of the promises of the separation of God's definable Old Testament people, which was the Jews, was that through a man by the name of Abraham, all families of the earth shall be blessed, which means if you're part of Abraham's lineage through baptism in Jesus' name, because it was a covenant, Abraham's covenant was what? Circumcision. Colossians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3, Romans chapter number 4, book of Genesis, it was circumcision. What's the circumcision in the New Testament? Baptism in Jesus' name. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you are directly tied, according to Romans chapter 4, unto Abraham our father by faith. And if you're part of Abraham's, and Abraham is your father by faith, then you're going to be a recipient of the blessings that Abraham had. So if you'll just stay faithful, the problem with our world is it's a microwave generation that thinks I want God and I want God when I need him. Honey, when you get saved, one of the very first disciplines that God wants to teach you is you are entering in a zone called God time. You have to deliver yourself, extract yourself from the world's pace, the rat race pace in which you're making demands of God that are never going to be met. You're making... Am I preaching tonight? When you get in God time, 
when God gets done blessing you, your family's going to say, that ain't, that, ain't, that ain't the guy I was raised with. That ain't the guy I, ha- I was working with. That ain't the guy I've seen on the job. Oh, yeah, it is. You have to teach yourself that I'm going to live by principles of another world. And ladies and gentlemen, it takes the Holy Ghost to do that, and it takes consecration, dedication to do that. And you have that, and you're doing that in varying degrees. Let's lift our hands and just thank God for the opportunity to be a part of something that's from another world. Being set apart from all other people allowed God to be God and therefore be revealed. It is impossible for God to reveal himself without separation. God will not reveal himself without distinction. This is, this is one of the things that is a great mystery to the church world is how you can have denominations that go all the way back to the third and the fourth century. And there, if, you'll, if you could see a timeline of how, of how they operate, they're constantly changing their church doctrine to stay up with culture. And they're thinking that that's how, that's how God is being revealed to culture, is through church doctrine. Okay, I'm talking about the Catholic Church, and I'm not slamming the Catholic Church. Um, I'm just identifying some things. You don't change anything in that Bible. <laughs> We, ain't, we don't have the authority or the power. There are some people that are presumptuous enough that will try to tamper with that, but the Bible said let them be accursed. But the deal of it is if we will obey that word as it was given and will allow ourselves to obey and be a part of God's bigger plan, then as God blessed, this is, this is the purpose for separation. So God calls us out of the world. And now that there's a gulf there, there's a distance there, if you will continue to keep that vertical relationship right, as God blesses and empowers and pours his love and favor on you, that is manifested now horizontally. And now all the people are looking at you because you're not a part of them anymore, and they're saying, something's going on here. Like, I'll never forget uh, 
right after I got baptized in Jesus' name, the heavy metal band that one of them that I was in in Sacramento sent the bass player over to my house to see if I had become a Jesus freak. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a Jesus freak. There's no use trying to hide it. I run, I shout. Uh, if I was a little younger, I'd probably roll on this nice carpet. It's comfortable. There's padding on here. But I'm getting old and my bones hurt. They sent the bass player over to my house. He knocked on the door, said, I heard you're going to church now. Yep. And he was going to let me know that, that he was playing for keeps. He pulled out a big old eight ball of cocaine and put it on the table. Started saying that he already had plans the entire night for us. And we were hooking up with some people at the club. And just about the time that the devil was flapping his jaws, I reached for that Bible that Steve Malone gave me. He was now pastor in Bellevue, Washington. And I opened that Bible up to Acts 2.38. And I said, then Peter said unto them. And he looked at me. His eyes got as big as saucers. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. He started stuffing that stuff. He grabbed the stuff and got out of there. Every once in a while, you need to let the devil, the devil know, I got that thing right here. I might not be everything I'm supposed to be, but I ain't what I used to be. Go ahead and clap your hands right now. Glory. Might not be perfect, but I'm giving it a good shot. And the rest is under the blood. The nation of Israel coming out of Egyptian bondage and being postured and positioned in the promised land is one of the clearest and most understandable examples of the importance of separation. Get this picture with me, if you could. They come out of Egyptian bondage. There were a lot of miracles that God did to get them out. I want you to know here tonight <clears throat> that if you're coming out, the miraculous working of God is, is going to be at work in your life. If you're moving in this direction. I cannot even begin to articulate how many miracles I experienced. And God was convincing me over and over and over again that this is a journey worth making. This is a journey that, that, that is worth buying into, to put your roots down, to hook up to this wagon. And, and this is not... Pharaoh said, all right, take them out for three days and bring them back. Like Pharaoh was like, okay, you can go worship your God, but you guys come on back to Egypt. And God's like, no, we ain't coming back. 
we're not coming back to Egypt. And that's exactly what happened. The nation of Israel came out. They had, they lacked understanding. Um, there were several generations that were raised in Egypt that knew nothing but the culture. They were deeply ingrained and enculturated with Egyptian idolatry, which is why they made a gold calf. Not just symbolically, they actually were worshiping that calf. Their dietary, all of their diet was based on Egyptian uh, dietary supplements and what was available to them, which is constantly why when they got man, it was like, what? Man, just give me an old-fashioned onion. I remember one time I was fasting, and I thought, man, if I, if I find a red onion, I might just eat it like an apple right now. That's how long I was fasting. <clears throat> You're not laughing right now, but that is hilarious. <laughs> and if you think that your wife is going to get within 10 feet of you after you ate an onion, I never did it. But man, I was hungry. So notice with me, the nation of Israel is brought out of Egypt. That is a type, that is an illustration of the world, the world system, the world, they're, they're anti-God, they're idolatrous, they're, they're keep God's people in bondage. God did miracles to get them out. And God was leading them to a promised land. Now, you cannot get any more basic than this story. And this story of bringing God's people out with the miraculous and with the power of the blood and with the power of the water, the Red Sea, and then the waters came back together again and destroyed the enemy. And then it was a pillar of fire. You had the blood on the door. You had the water of the Red Sea. And then you had a pillar of fire. So you had blood, water, and Holy Ghost fire. Are you getting this? Are your dots connecting? So once God had them on this journey, if you look at a map, biblical, biblical theologians say that it would have taken a matter of days for God to take the nation of Israel directly from Egyptian bondage into the promised land. Three million plus people. But God said, I brought you out here to test you. First Corinthians chapter 10 says, with many of them, God was not well pleased. So separation will make or break people. 
I don't want to see anybody, I don't want to see anybody backslide. But the truth of the matter is I've been doing this long enough to know that usually when people backslide, it's over separation. There's just some things they're not willing to do. You know what the real problem is? The real problem is, is they're not willing to do it. The real problem is they don't have enough God to see why they're doing what they're doing. And this is why the nation of Israel said, why do we got to do this? And why do I got to do this? And why do we have to do this? And why this manna? And why, why do we do this? And we're just going to go back. We're, they're constantly threatening to go back to sin and go back to Pharaoh and go back to Egypt. Let me talk to you as a pastor, okay? I don't care how bad you mess up. Stay in the church. Pastor, I messed up. Okay, well, talk to old pastor. What's going on? Well, I did this, did that. Did this, did that. I'm still doing this, still doing that, da, da, da. Okay, okay, okay. Have you talked to Jesus? You know, I, I don't think people really understand what happens when we confess our sins. Well, I haven't talked to God yet about it. Well, I think you should. It'll be a game changer. How quick does it take God to forgive you for your mess? Somebody help me. In fact, The blood, when, when your sins were redeemed, it was already talking about sins that have yet to be committed. I didn't say that was applied. Because if we confess. But I'm saying that when Jesus bought you, he bought everything. You don't think Jesus knew you had that struggle? You've been struggling with that for 35 years. He's not going to bail out on you because he knew you had that struggle. I'm trying to preach right now because this goes against the religious grain of people. Let me get this straight. God watches you your whole life let me just paint a picture. Maybe it doesn't fit anybody. You were molested. I got your attention now. Ladies and gentlemen, most of our world today has been molested in one way or another. Children are addicted to pornography as early as six, seven, eight years old. I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm on this. 
This is an end time message. So this person comes to God that maybe was molested and then got hooked to pornography and now he's having or she is having same-sex attraction and they get inside the church. You still with me? I didn't lose any of you, did you? Did I? Yeah, I lost, I lost some of you. Some of you are taking a breath right now. See, because you want to determine exactly what, you want to play spiritual genetics, and you want to say, this is the kind of sinner I'm comfortable with. You don't have no idea what God is seeing every single day in our world. When he drank that cup, floating in that cup were child molesters and murderers and the most wicked, vile things of our world, and God is trying to reach all of them. It's time this 21st century church get a revelation. I'm not saying we're changing anything, but we need to adjust that our God is bigger. He can do anything. Well, pastor, yeah, I just don't know if I can go there with you. Well, I heard a story one time of a home missionary in Boston, Massachusetts, one of the largest cities in America, by far has more universities. Boston is like academic leader of the world. Ivy League universities, more in Boston and Massachusetts and in that area than anywhere else. There's a home missionary there. He was telling the story about um, a man, uh, they knocked on his door during outreach. I don't even know how the front door got open. Maybe just swung open after they knocked on it. But it just reeked, 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 reeked. And there's an old drunk in there. And the pastor made a mental note of it and said, I'll be back. Started praying, started going by this guy's house and started bringing the guy to church and he sat in the back and stunk, hung over, probably had laid in his own vomit, unkept, just sat in the back, stunk, didn't make any noises, didn't communicate with anybody. Finally, there was a young couple, good-looking, upstanding couple in that church. Come to the pastor. Said, Pastor, um, we love you. We love this church. We love what you're doing. We All about what God's trying to do here in Boston. But uh, we don't want to raise our children in the same church for the, that Everybody go like this because you know what I'm saying. We don't want to raise our kids with that in this church. The pastor said, well, he needs a chance to be saved. He said, well, either he goes or we're going. And the pastor's thinking, man, this is some of my only tithe payers. But he was a pastor that loved souls. He didn't go there for money. He went there for people. 
please, please pray about this. Please don't, don't do anything rash, but I'm, I have to help this man. The young couple decided to leave. And the unfortunate ending of that story was that young couple went to another church and ended up divorcing. What happened to the drunk? The drunk finally woke up and obeyed Acts 2.38. Started wearing a suit. One of the most incredible men in the apostolic movement of the 20th century, Brother Charles Mahaney. But had some ignorant, small-minded, non-spiritual voices. Let's lift our hands. Church, we ain't never going to change our separation. And we ain't never going to change this word of God. But I'm telling you, there is a world that is banging on our door. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and really pray tonight. Lift your voice. Let's pray for a minute. We're, we're going to be dismissed in a moment, but let's pray. There's something powerful here right now. In fact, if, we, if, we, if we'll allow ourselves to get in, in the, into the beat, into the groove of this thing, God wants to do something here in the next several minutes. If you'll allow yourself to go there. We ain't never going to lose our identity. We're never going to lose our distinction. That comes before all else. Biblical separation is for a bigger purpose than just to look different, just to be different. It's so that now God has a vantage point to reach the rest of the world through supernatural agency. The problem is most people, like the nation of Israel, had a problem with separation. So many of them, God was not well pleased. They couldn't get the revelation. Oh, yeah, that generation survived. They were sustained but not blessed. God sustained the parents, but they were not blessed. They were not blessed because he was holding out for the kids.
if we can get this revelation of biblical separation, this is what this whole prophecy about supernatural and revival and all this, this is all a byproduct of that. It's not to fit in an organization. It's not so all my preacher friends can, can ooh and ah, I could care less what anybody else thinks. God, God's the one that sent me here. God's the one I have to stand before. God's the one I'm responsible to. And God has made some promises of this church that'll blow your wheels off. If we quit belly aching about separation and get in alignment and let the power of the supernatural. Just a couple days ago, um, my wife's gotten me do, yeah, I've got a honey-do list just like y'all do. It's got me painting and doing all kinds of stuff. I went over there to, uh, over here to uh, Sherwin-Williams Paint. I think it was on, it was on Monday. I pulled up there, hardly no cars in the parking lot. Got what I needed and got in my truck. I'll leave you with this. Just as I was backing out, my eyes just happened to settle on right next to the door. I didn't even notice it before. Right there at Sherwin-Williams, there was a homeless person that had slept there all night. With They had a shopping cart, had all their stuff. It was a, it was a black man. I could see on his face where his nose had been running and it dried and he was, un obviously, he was unkept. And I said, God, I'm ready to put my money where my mouth is. Grabbed a church card. I took out $40. I had to wake him up. And I said, go get you something to eat. Here's my church card. You come see us. Oh, pastor, we don't, we don't, we don't want that kind around here. <clears throat> God put me here for them. And if you'd pray through, you'd find out God put you here for them too. Let's clap our hands and give God some real praise. Before this is all over, I want to reach everything in this culture. People that are confused about their gender, people that ain't got no money, people that, but they want reality. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet. God, I love you. I praise you and I worship you. Shake hands, be friendly. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night at prayer.